Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by First. First knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. First powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. And it was awesome. It just made me rethink, especially for myself. Like I just, I just, I just uh, bought and sold a house, and you know the stresses that my wife and you know all these things that you kind of are going through, and you kind of some somewhat get numb to it a little bit when you're doing a lot of deals. Just you know, it it made me think. You know, how can we we need to do a better job of just providing that awesome and incredible experience. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 147 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As I always say, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. Uh, and, and really, you know, if you'll subscribe and leave a rating and a review, that always helps too. So once again, thank you. Uh, very excited today. I'm going back to the world of Coldwell Banker. I'm telling you, there's some really cool stuff going on with CB. Uh, this time I'm going to the uh, state of Ohio, Cincinnati, the Queen City. We're going to talk to Scott Euler with Coldwell Banker West Shell. Scott's doing some great things there, uh, building a team. And we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's, I, I'm really excited to talk to you. I've, you and I, I've, I've known of you for a while via a, a mutual friend of ours. And I actually got to meet you in New York this year at the Inman Connect event. Uh, and so I, we, we got a chance to chat. And I, and I, know, I know you're a native of Cincinnati. And I'm always interested. You're the you're my first guest from Cincinnati. Part of the fun of this podcast is finding out things about places I haven't been. I've never been there, and I'm going to sound really ignorant here, but all I know about Cincinnati are the Reds, the Bengals, and the initials WKRP. I know I'm missing something. <laughs> Tell me about Cincinnati. <laughs> yes, yes. If all you know is the Reds and the Bengals, right now that is not a good thing because uh, the Reds are last in the NL Central, and we haven't had a championship here since 1990. So going back, think about this. The last time we won a, a championship, Ken Griffey Sr. was on that team. So wow, <laughs> that was a while ago. Long yes, time. sir. Yep. yep. So, but no, Cincinnati, uh, the Queen City, as you said, we are actually going through a huge renaissance right now, you know, on our banks of the Ohio River. So Cincinnati's located right on the Ohio River, so Ohio-Kentucky border. Our banks, kind of where our two stadiums are, where the Reds Great American Ballpark and Paul Brown Stadium are, uh, there's a lot of development happening between the two stadiums. Uh, we've seen that been going on for the last few years. And then there's a, a uh, part called OTR, Over the Rhine. This was a section in Cincinnati that at one time had probably the most police runs in most places in the country. And now it is totally transformed into such a cool neighborhood. It's the largest collection of Italian architecture in the country uh, together. And you will now wait an hour for brunch at the corner of 12th and Vine at Taste of Belgium. So 
just a lot of really cool stuff happening here in Cincinnati. Uh, it's a great city. And I think a lot of people, when they relocate here, uh, Procter & Gamble is, uh, is one of our big employers here. So we get a lot of folks coming in from different parts of the country. And when they get here, they, they actually really, really like it. You know, the cost of living is pretty good. And it's a lot of amenities of professional sports teams here in the city and just a lot to do. I know for you that we didn't talk about one part of it, but you're you're a huge University of Cincinnati supporter, right? You're you went to UFC. You're let's talk about that for a second. I want to know, first of all, if if I got this right, you were there with Bob Huggins, who had kind of a uh, not the best endings of his career, but boy, <laughs> he definitely did some great things with basketball there, right? Yeah, old Huggy Bear uh, is a legend here still. There's people that still don't want to admit that he's gone. They still wish he was here. But yes, he was somewhat of a controversial figure here. Obviously built the basketball program back to prominence and had a couple mishaps <laughs> along the way. When we had a, a new university president, he and uh, they did not get along very well. But a funny story with, with Huggins is I used to hang out at this bar called Martino's and uh, one of my fraternity brothers worked at the bar. And it was literally just right across from campus. And after the bar would close, we'd kind of hang out a little bit afterwards. And Hugs was known to, to stop by and, and pour a couple beers behind the bar. So he definitely, uh, definitely liked to, to have a good time. Great person to talk to and have a beer with. Yeah, unfortunately, things didn't work out. Work out, And, and uh, he's at West Virginia now. And Mick Cronin's been building the program back up when, when Hugs was fired. We had an interim coach, Anthony Kennedy. He was at Ole Miss after here, but he he was here for one year. And really, there was no recruiting or anything going on. So when Mick Cronin inherited the team, we literally had one scholarship player coming back while the players left. So it's been a long ride, but Mick's got us kind of going. We had a little disappointing season. Uh, we had a great season, I should say, but disappointing uh, ending in the NCAA tournament. But uh, certainly, I think Mick's building the program back up. But Huggy Bear is a legend around here. He always will be. Yeah. He, who's there like over 15, 16 years? And, and now the same thing with Cronin, right? I mean, at least there's some long-term kind of stuff going on there. That's always good for a sports program. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nick Cronin's a Cincinnati guy. So he grew up here in Cincinnati. His dad's a legendary high school coach. You know, it's funny. So Xavier is also in Cincinnati. And Chris Mack, who just went to Louisville, you know, he's a Cincinnati guy, too. He went to, to St. X High School in Cincinnati. He had two great coaches that came out here from Cincinnati. I wasn't too sad to see Chris Mack go to Louisville because, unfortunately, uh, they've gotten the best of us the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, what did you study uh, there? What was your major? So I was in marketing and real estate. We had a real estate program, or we do have a real estate program at the University of Cincinnati. It's actually pretty well known. You know, so studied marketing real estate. And, and the real estate program there is, is more geared towards commercial real estate than residential. And it's a, it's a great program. And I feel like it gave me a, a ton of knowledge coming out of school um, because I, I, I'd been around real estate most of my life and I wanted to be in real estate. So that's why I picked that as a major. Yeah, you're, you're like the fourth guest out of all the guests I've had on this show that kind of knew real estate was going to be what you were going to do. Let's talk about that for a little bit. You're you have a, a long family history uh, in the industry. Let's uh, so we can lay that out for us. 
Yeah, so I am a third generation realtor. My uh, grandfather had a company that was purchased by Cobalt Banker in the early 80s called Parchin and Oiler. And then my father got into the business, but he'd always been in management. He never, you know, he sold when he first started, but he'd mostly been in management with Cobalt Banker, left uh, for a few years and started a, kind of a smaller boutique brokerage and then came back to the Cobalt Banker. And now he coaches our top agents in Cincinnati and Columbus, and they've got him traveling around now to some other markets as well. He's spent some time in St. Louis. Um, so very fortunate that, you know, my dad's one of my best friends and coaches me and uh, talk to him every day. So it's interesting. We go back and forth because, you know, I give him a hard time because he hasn't been in the field actually selling in a long time. <laughs> so some of, some of the stuff he tells me, I say, wait a minute now, you haven't, When's the last time you sold something and had a balance everything? But it, it really, it's just good to have, um, and it's helped help me build my business certainly. Yeah, and you you mentioned the program you went through at the, at the university was focused on commercial, and if, if I remember right, that's kind of what your first gig was out of school, right? Did you go the commercial route? Yeah, I went the commercial route because uh, my, my grandfather, my dad did residential. I said, I'm going to be a little bit different. I love real estate. I'm going to do commercial. And started my career at C.B. Richard Ellis, and I was a junior partner on a team that sold multifamily investment properties. So my my partner there, he would sell all the sexy uh, Class A you know, apartment buildings, high rise apartment buildings downtown, and and I was I worked in the the luxurious side of the Section Eight apartment buildings here in, in Cincinnati. So that's where I that's where I cut my teeth in in real estate. There's a different feel in the commercial side. Absolutely, right? There, first of all, the competition's a lot less than residential, um, but there's fewer mm-hmm. there's fewer projects, and the timelines are tremendously long compared to what you're doing now, right? Yeah, I mean, timelines are really really long, and, and the guy I worked uh, with, uh, Dave Locker in Cincinnati, he used to always say, "It doesn't matter what you did in a year." He always based is income off two years, right? Because one year you could have a monster year, but a lot of that stuff was really teed up from the year before. So he'd always look at, okay, how have I done? You know, I'd average it out. He'd average it out last two years, last two years. So yeah, deal cycles are a lot longer. What was nice about commercial is you actually worked like normal business hours, like Monday through Friday, eight to five, maybe eight to six. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice. Uh, certainly, you know, you live and died by the big deal. Now, you know, residential, you, know, you just got to do so much more, or, you know, tra- so many more transactions um, versus commercial, you know, bigger deal sizes. And, and what goes into a lot of those can take some time from the time that you start talk- talking to someone from the time they decide to sell. It's a, it can be a six month period. And then from there, that deal cycle can take much longer as well. So you make the transition from commercial to residential. How did that? Uh, how did that go? And and are there some things you you brought from the commercial side that you've been able to kind of use on the residential side? Yeah. So the good old second half of two thousand eight was a very humbling experience. We went from selling a ton of apartments to basically no paycheck for thirteen months. I mean, the market just shut down. We couldn't get anything financed. Uh, my wife and I, we were trying to have kids and my wife, you know, we were having expecting twins and six weeks 
before my twins were born, I decided I'm going to get into residential real estate in July of 2010. So coming up on, on eight years here, it was by far the most difficult decision, but I knew I wanted to stay in real estate. Um, the residential market wasn't all that great in 2010, but uh, it certainly was better than the commercial market at that time. And really my, my uh, thought process was when I was over at CB Richard Ellis, I was doing just to get a couple of deals done. We were doing some smaller apartment deals, you know, 20 unit uh, apartment deals, mostly kind of distressed type, type stuff. So my thought is I'm going to go on the financial side and I'm going to be this expert in the middle apartment ground, right? So um, most residential agents, they aren't real savvy on the apartment side while the commercial guys, you know, for a 20 unit deal, uh, that's too small for them to really get excited about. So I thought I'd work in this middle ground, started doing that. And that's what kind of helped me get started. But then I had a friend who had a house and, you know, sold that house relatively quick. And I'm like, wait a minute, this, this seems a little bit easier. <laughs> and the sales cycle is just so, isn't so long. So I really started gearing more towards single family residential. And I think the biggest thing that commercial taught me was, you know, that I'm a small business owner. I'm not, a, I'm not just, I don't consider myself a real estate agent. I'm a small business owner. I treated it that way. And that is how Dave, the guy that ran the group at CB Richard Ellis, that I, worked with, I mean, that's how he approached everything. And it just a total different mindset that, Hey, I've got a business here and that this is not just, you know, um, transactional, how do we set this up for the long term? And I, I brought in so much because over there you you live and die by your by your database. I mean, if I had one thing that on the commercial side that wasn't tagged right or whatever, I mean, it would he would go crazy. So I learned that your business is only as strong as your database. You got to work that database. You know, I was used to you know commercial is very much hunting where you're making a lot of phone calls and hunting. Residential is a little more referral based. And so I learned, you know, early on how to pick up the phone, call strangers, be told, no, don't call me again, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and I think a lot of those skills really helped me out when building my business and having the confidence and, and courage and know that, you know, just because someone said no, doesn't mean they don't want to do business with you. You just got to build that trust. It was a, it was a difficult decision, difficult time but it's turned out to be the best decision ever. And I'm really lucky. I've got a wife who's very supportive. I mean, she was in social work. You know, we, we just, we didn't have two nickels rubbed together. When I made the transition, I took six months out of my 401k said, this is it, you know, if, if see what we can try to make happen in six months. And she was very supportive of the decision. Otherwise there's no way I've been able to do it. Let's, let's talk about um, after you get, you know, rolling in residential, you, this is probably when you met Sean Carpenter, right? Because, uh, yeah. Sean, Sean was working in kind of, I think, throughout the region or the state of Ohio with uh, with Cobalt Banker as a trainer. And so let's talk about your relationship with Sean. And, and you, you've already mentioned you, you, your father sounds like a mentor. You have the, the Dave and, and the commercial side. So talk about talk about Sean a little bit. I got hired on. Cobalt Banker had this program, Pro Start, you know, to get you going and uh, yeah, have some uh, the training and all that good stuff. And Sean was just so dynamic and just brought, this is a wealth of information. And, you know, a lot of times people would, you know, leave the class and, and Sean and I would talk afterwards, exchange numbers. Next thing you know, I'm 
Hey, what do you think about this? I'm bouncing all kinds of ideas off of him. And Sean has been a huge mentor for me. And now you say Sean's, you know, one of my closest friends. I mean, we talk all the time. He's just an unbelievable speaker um, and trainer. Uh, if anyone's had a chance to hear him, you know, he does such a great job. And he's the one that really got me fired up uh, on the residential uh, side. And we just had, had a lot in common. This has really helped me grow my business. And I've bounced off so many ideas still to this day. I've got something going on, um, you know, growth-wise that we've been talking about, and he's been talking to me about it, and it's just been a huge key to, to my success. And that's how it is, Bill. I mean, every everyone, no one, no one in this business ever did it by themselves, right? Everyone's had the had someone help them along the way, no matter what anyone wants to say. They want to try to say I did it all by myself, but I was very lucky. I had Dave Locker, who you said. I was a great mentor. My father, who's a great coach, who kind of keeps me, uh, you know, on track with my my numbers and really kind of holds me accountable to what those goals are. To where Sean has been more of like, more of uh, helped me on like the grander vision of the business. So if you think about it, my father works more day to day, you know, holding me accountable, things like that. Where Sean is a guy that helps me think big and larger than what I imagined. If he would have told me eight years ago that my team would be producing the way that we are, that I even have a team, I would tell you, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't have even thought about that. And a lot of that has to do with the mentorship with, with my father and, and Sean. So really lucky there. And Cole Banker has been, it's just here locally. It's just, it's unbelievable. Um, just how the impact Sean's had on so many agents in, in greater Cincinnati, Columbus area. Now he's kind of traveling, doing the circuit and making an impact on, on a lot of other people's lives as well. Let's talk about that team you built. I think you're one of the top two teams at Cobalt Banker uh, in, in your area. You've been on some lists nationally, you know, for, for what you're doing. Talk about, first of all, you know, how, how you put that together, because there's got to be that first person you hired, that first thing you did, and then Let's talk about the structure of your team. Yeah. So I was almost a year in and I hired uh, Heather Stallmeyer, who basically now is our team manager and uh, does all of our contract close work. She is, she probably does the job of two people. We just had someone to give her a little bit of help, but she's been with me for, you know, close to eight years. And that's the first step. You know, I hired her more as an admin. She was totally overqualified for the job. It just was a perfect fit. Her youngest was going back to school. She wanted to kind of dip her toe back in the workforce. It was almost like a Jerry Maguire moment. I'm like, I know I can only pay you this amount of money. I know I can only give you this amount of hours. But if you just come with me, we're going to grow this thing. And I don't know how, but I convinced her to, to join the team. And it was by far the best hire that I've ever made. So that was the first person. It started out, she was just more of an admin. You know, then we got our license. Um, she doesn't really sell. She'll, she'll sell a few houses a year, but that's to, to you know, relatives. That's not her focus. Her focus is basically to, to run the office. You know, I'm out meeting uh, people. That's my job. And she gets it. She's like, you need to be out of here. You're in the office too much. Where your strength is, is meeting people, developing relationships. And she's just a great facilitator. Uh, our clients love her. If you go on Zillow and you type in another group, read our reviews, 
you know, half of them will mention her name, you know, just saying, Heather was great. You know, they're calling out people for the team. So everyone on our team has specialized roles. So that's, that's Heather. That was the first hired. She's grown tremendously. About a year after that, I hired my first buyer's agent, Aaron Fay. And Aaron is just a, a total workhorse. She was, you know, waiting tables, got her real estate license. She was already a coal banker. And she's a phenomenal agent, but she doesn't have like a big network and, and things like that. And I saw that she could be such a great buyer's agent. She was looking to, you know, maybe hop on with a team. So hired her and uh, she's a rock star. She's actually our local uh, publication, City Beat Magazine. She They do their best of issue and she was best realtor in Cincinnati. And so she's buyer's agent on our team and just a, a total rock star. And then my next hire was my second buyer's agent. I mean, idea of when, when the time was right, I got pushed on all these things by my father. You know, I was like, when I hired Heather, I was like, oh, I'm just finally putting a little bit of money in the bank, you know? And he's like, oh, you need, you need to hire an admin now. I'm like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't, you know, I like, I, I just finally put some money back away. But, but each time it was like, you know, pushed. And, and basically kind of a big rule of thumb is, and, you know, once you, once you hit, you know, close to 30 or 30 transactions at that point in time, you need, you know, an, an admin, you know, and then once we hit, you know, 60 deals, that's when we you know, started to look at getting a buyer's agent. Right. So that's kind of the rule of 30. It, it changes as it, as it grows a little bit, but so Laura was the next, next person. So two buyer's agents and she's, she's phenomenal. She's been with me now for three years. And just kind of give you an idea, the buyer's agents on our team, made last year they each did over 50 sides. So they're hustling. They're working hard. They're showing tons of homes. But my job is to develop leads for them. You know, that's the benefit to them. My job is main lead generator. And they're, they're, they're phenomenal at just taking that business and, run, and running with it. And the benefit to them is they get leads. And then Heather is doing all their contract to close work, you know, managing the process all the way through. So for them, it's just hustling, showing, showing homes. And, and that's the benefit to them. And I think the biggest mistake a lot of times teams make is, well, you're a producer, I'm a producer, you're a producer, let's all team up together and we can do a lot of business together. But really they're doing the same amount of business. It's just three people. You know, they don't have the specific roles to really, grow that team and that's where like michael ferrara told me and he gave the best analogy he goes have a great restaurant experience the same person that you know seats you would you want that person cooking your food that's how i look at our team everyone has specialized roles so that we can give our clients the best service possible and that's something that we're most proud of is we have more reviews than anyone in cincinnati on zillow and most of it's you know, they hit over and over again, the service was awesome. And that's the, that's the key. And I think a lot of times real estate agents say, well, everyone wants to work with me. I'm the guy, I'm the man, you know? And really at the end of the day, clients just want kick ass service. And that's, that's the key thing. And I think that's the hardest part that agents and even myself had to get over, especially on the buyer side. So I do all the listings, my buyer's agents do the work with the buyers. And it was, it was tough. Clients would come in and say, "Hey, you know, Aaron, she's she's our buyer's agent. She's going to take care of you," um, because I thought people wanted to work with me. They just want really good service, and if you deliver that great service, they're fine. 
They don't, they don't have to be with you. Now, if you deliver poor service, then, then that doesn't work. But I think that's the key thing with a lot of teams. And, and it's hard to kind of give up that control in a lot of ways. But I know that at the end of the day, Erin is a better buyer's agent than me because that's all she's doing. She's aggressively trying to find homes for people. You know, if it was just me, I'm working with 38 or so, 30, 40 listings and getting feedback, you know. So Erin is focused in on our buyers to make sure that they're getting the best service. So anyways, I went on a little bit of a tangent, but so no, two buyers agents, and then I, I work with a developer who's developing condos in OTR, that area I was telling you about that's uh, in our urban core that's kind of gone through this whole revitalization. So we have four condo projects for them, and I hired someone that that's all she does is she's down there helping us out with all, all of those. And then I have a uh, Jay Ashmore who does our small commercial. So I still do some of these 10 unit, 20 unit apartment deals. My, my uh, past partner, Dave Locker, he refers stuff over that, you know, people call him on as too, too small. So he went over. So I hired someone who takes care of those transactions. And then, uh, and then we have a full-time marketing person uh, as well. So in total, there's, there's seven of us. Let's talk, let's talk about, if you don't mind, I mean, can you share the technology or systems that you use? Cause there's obviously something keeping all this together. I've changed CRMs a lot. <laughs> Heather, Heather uh, is ready to kill me. She, she finally, you know, she has final sign off if I make any changes now because she's one of the deals with it all. But yeah, so we recently switched over to Curator, um, Chris Smith and Jimmy Mackin's product. And I will tell you, it's been awesome. Uh, the, the, the tools and technology there are, are, are phenomenal. We've been driving a lot of uh, leads, our marketing and Facebook, digital presence, really, it's really heavy digital marketing. It's been really, really good. So we started that in, in February. And so the CRM is that's tied in with uh, kind of the whole curator platform. Prior to that, I, I used LionDesk as our CRM, and we, we, liked, uh, we liked that a lot. Um, and I had Contactually when we were a little bit smaller. Uh, it can actually, I think is phenomenal for an individual agent or maybe an agent with a team or agent with an admin. But uh, as the team was growing, we needed something a little more robust. So that's when we went to Lion Desk. And then, then we switched everything over to the curator platform with Follow Up Boss. And that's been phenomenal. I, I, I've really, and we're probably still not using it to the level that we, that we can. And we're still obviously learning. So we use that on the... CRM and marketing email platform. Uh, we use Dot Loop for digital signatures, all that good stuff, transaction management. And then we have a, we use a program called Airtable. We used to just have an old school whiteboard that have every deal and where we are and everything. So we use uh, Airtable. We've got a big monitor up in our um, office so we can see at any time you know, what, where something is uh, uh, transactionally to know when the deadlines are. And then what's great is we can all through our iPhone, iPad or whatever, can get an air table and see where something is, where, where what status uh, the property is towards close. So we, we keep all that there and then all of our goals and everything. So we, we're a super competitive team. We, we have fun. We have a blast together, but we're also very competitive. And so we've got goals lined out. And it's there every day. Everyone stares 
every day, you know, where they are, where their goal is for that quarter. And everyone's ranked. And Aaron and Laura, like I said, my buyers, they're super competitive. And they're good friends, but very competitive. And we had someone else that was on our team for hired Laura. And it's very obvious if one's producing and the other one is not. And yeah. so it kind of creates that friendly, friendly competition. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Our team meets every Monday and we go over everything. Where are we on all the different transactions? Where are we on leads? Where are we on our goals? And obviously, our CRM is the big big key for leads and keeping track of leads. But uh, we do kind of have a, you know, once, once someone has said, yes, I want to sell or I want to buy, then we kind of move them over to Airtable. Um, they're still obviously getting work through our CRM. Um, but mostly Airtable is for you know, kind of more of our transaction management. You know, I met, I mentioned earlier at Inman and uh, how many Inman events have you been to? So that was my first one. Um, and I wish I would have gone way more. The challenge is, so the Inman, uh, New York always falls right around my wife's birthday, January 16th. <laughs> and then the one in out in California falls right around my kid's birthday. And literally, uh, Inman overlapped my wife's birthday for like the last few years. And Carp keeps saying, you got to go, you got to go. So I, I went this year and I can't wait, you know, to go back. I thought it was just an unbelievable event. And, and this is another key thing with Sean, which was great, is he introduced me to people like you. Uh, it was nice uh, that he could introduce me to so many different people. But it's, it's really neat because everyone's so willing to connect and meet. There's a number of people that I follow. Um, I'm always, I'm like a, a blog hound. I'm reading other people's, other people's blogs or different Facebook, you know, masterminds. There's a curator of Facebook mastermind and, you know, reaching out to some of these people and just saying, Hey, I'm following your stuff. Um, you know, you're going to Inman, you have 15 minutes for, to just meet up and everyone's so willing to, to meet, you know, I've, I've followed, uh, you know, the divas out in Seattle, the coal banker for forever and what they're doing. And I just reached out to them and was able to connect with them, pick their brain a little bit. So just kind of a, just a great, great spot. I think that's the number one thing is, is just connecting with different people because there's a ton of ideas in this business, ton of great ideas. And, you know, I'm just like a sponge, you know, if I don't have to create something, someone else is doing something I like, how do I connect with them, pick their brain on it? And then how can I implement it here? Right. Um, and so I thought that was, that was huge. But then even the presentations and the speakers, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a guy that's, that just spoke about the transaction and how to make the client experience better. Yeah. Jay O'Brien out of California. Yes. He crushed it. And it was awesome. It just made me rethink, especially for myself. Like I just, I just, I just uh, bought and sold a house and dresses that my wife and, you know, all these things that you kind of are going through and you kind of some, somewhat get numb to it a little bit when you're doing a lot of deals. This, you know, it, it made me think, you know, how can we, we need to do a better job of just providing that awesome and incredible experience. And then a number of other people, you know, that just shared their best practices, what they're doing. I also love hearing about, you know, all the disruptors so I can keep my finger on the pulse. What's going on? So when people ask me, you know, what's open door, what's knock, I know what that is. I can, 
can talk about that, you know, because I heard those guys present. It's by far the best real estate conference I've I've been to and, and look forward to, to going back. You know, I'm going to ask you a, kind of a goofy question, but uh, and, and the first time I've asked this, I was just thinking about it because I, I know you're, 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 you like thinking about things and kind of changing things up. If you could, if you could wave a magic wand and just and change one thing about the, you know, the world of real estate, what would it be? <laughs> for people to, to not blame Zillow for everything and just look <laughs> at their own business and, and no, I'm just joking, but I feel like it's like every, every forum or, or, Facebook group, every conversation gets derailed by, uh, by Zillow. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think that I wish that the barrier to entry was a little bit higher because uh, there are phenomenal agents. They're great, Bill. You know, you've talked to so many around the country. Yeah. And the problem is, is we get lumped in with the whole community sometimes, you know what I mean? And and I just feel like, I think it was, it was Michael McClure, you know, had the raise the bar kind of campaign, you know, that whole thing. And, and that's, that's really what, if I had a magic wand, I would just say maybe it'd, it'd be just a little more difficult to, to, to get your license and different trainings that you have to go through, not just like your boring CE, but like the trainings that, that Sean Carpenter and you put on, you know. Uh, to just raise the bar to be a little bit better. And that's, to me, if I could wave a magic wand in real estate, I guess that would be it. Well, I've had you here over the half hour I asked, and I know you got a super busy day. So let me ask you my final question I've asked every guest. Yeah, what's, what's one piece of advice you'd give a new agent just getting started? I would tell them there's no shortcuts in this business. There's no magic wand. There's no product that you're going to buy that's going to launch your business. I've, I've got kind of that shiny toy object syndrome, you know, where I'm like, oh, this is this piece of technology is going to launch my business. At the end of the day, it's a relationship business and just get belly to belly with as many people as you can. There's nothing that's going to replace just old school blocking and tackling of meeting people and building relationships. Scott, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. They can uh, reach out to me on our website, www.oilergroup.com. That's O-Y-L-E-R group.com. Uh, you can always shoot me an email, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, at oilergroup.com. Scott, thank you so much for today. This is really good stuff. I'm telling you. And, um, and I can't wait to see you again in January in New York. And, and I I'm, Got it. promise you I'm going to follow the, first, let me get this right, the American Athletic Conference? A little closer to yeah, that, right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> the American athletes, we, the, the demise of the Big East, uh, the old Big East, I should say, we unfortunately have been in the American conference and people don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, good luck to your Bearcats. Thanks again for all of your uh, wonderful uh, um, thoughts on the show. All right. You got it. Thanks, Bill, for having me on.